This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. How many drinks does it take to get to 0.08? That single question lingers in the minds of consumers everywhere after a few drinks. What if the answer was just a few breaths away? What if you never again had to guess about your ability to safely drive home? That's the world Sean Casey is trying to create with Backtrack. Sean is the VP of Marketing at Backtrack, and on this episode of Marketing Trends, he discusses how he is working to build brand awareness and how to capitalize on content your audience is connecting with. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we are joined by special guest, Sean. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Excited to have you on the show. Excited to talk about Backtrack and uh, breathalyzers, what it means to market breathalyzers. Uh, We have a great show planned and we're going to get into your background. So uh, let's get started. How'd you get started in marketing? Yeah, I, I didn't always know I wanted to be in marketing, um, but I was always very entrepreneurial. So my undergraduate degree was nothing to do with business or marketing. Then I realized that I didn't really have a career to go to. <laughs> um, so I actually went and got my MBA um, and through that decided that marketing was probably the best avenue for myself um, and, and was the best application of my skills. That was my initial kind of after six months of business school, deciding to focus in marketing was how I started there. So flash forward to today. Tell us what it means to be VP of marketing at Backtrack. Yeah. So um, starting in digital marketing, worked at some agencies um, and Backtrack was actually my client for two years. Got along really well with the CEO um, and would see him every quarter for our, our quarterly business review. Um, and he always talked about, I should come join his team someday. Um, and after about a year of that, I, I actually took him up on his offer um, and, and came to Backtrack. So um, at the time, it was uh, mostly digital marketing. Um, so handling all our paid search, Google, Bing, Facebook, you know, that sort of stuff. And then my role has, has slowly grown um, into really handling all of our marketing channels. We sell on Amazon. We have three websites that we maintain through Shopify. We sell in Costco and Best Buy and Walmart and all those stores. And then we're, we're a very small team. So I have my marketing related duties, uh, but I also have a lot of other things that I help out with uh, that you probably wouldn't normally help out with in a larger company, um, but like packaging and product design and app development and that sort of stuff. So um, I have my very direct marketing related duties, but also have a lot of other uh, cool opportunities I get to work on. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's get into that a little bit, uh, you know, for, for listeners who don't know about Backtrack, Kind of when you came into the role, what was uh, what was preceding you, and then you know what were you working on uh, to try to get this uh, product out into the market even more? Yeah, so a lot of people are surprised to, to find out that Backtrack was actually founded in two thousand one. A lot of people think that it was probably founded in the past couple of years. But when I joined in twenty fourteen, and having worked on the marketing campaigns for two years before that, Backtrack was was in a pretty good spot. You know, they had were doing well on Amazon. 
had an online store. Um, it was actually on Yahoo stores. That was one of the things where uh, e-commerce, the potential for, for larger uh, opportunity in the e-commerce space was, was something I saw. And yeah, they, they had developed marketing. Uh, the, the branding was a little bit um, older and, and maybe a little incohesive or, or not very cohesive. And so when I came on board, wanted to, one, continue with the online marketing, but take a look at our websites, take a look at our branding, take a look at our product packaging, um, that sort of thing, and try and kind of unify it um, across the board. And so, yeah, who are the types of, of folks that you all are selling to? Yeah, we have, we have um, four different types of consumers that we break our, our, uh, our consumers up into. One is the, the business side. So police, hospitals, clinics, treatment centers, those sort of things. They are buying our high-end products um, and they are using them um, in a business uh, setting or a you know, treatment setting. And then our main client is just consumers um, who are people who go to happy hour and have a couple of drinks or, you know, on the weekends you're having a dinner party or we really say, you know, anyone who drinks or knows someone who drinks should own a backtrack. Um, so that, that's our main target market. Um, that's the, that's who we use most of our marketing towards is the 25 to 45, um, you know, has a little bit extra money because our products are a little higher priced and, you know, wants, wants to be a responsible drinker. The other two we have are, people who are on the opposite end of that, who are trying to remain sober. And so we have a very different marketing campaign for them. Um, obviously, consumers who are drinking, it, it relies on them drinking, where the complete opposite of the end of that is not drinking. That's also a very a large part of our business is sobriety monitoring. Um, and so we really treat them almost as two separate businesses within our business. Got it. And so you know, as you're, as you're creating these types of campaigns, uh, you know, you talked about e-commerce, you talked about the importance of that. And then you kind of talked, you talked about, you know, the, the non-consumer, the more of like the organizations, do you, do you organize your team differently? Obviously those campaigns are, are very different. Yeah. Um, in some cases, yeah, some cases, no, um, we, we organize all our accounts like our, our Google AdWords, our Facebook, our, you know, we have separate email accounts for all of them. So we do keep them siloed. We have, we have a pretty small team. We only have 14 people at our company. So I would love to say, yes, we have a separate marketing team for each division. Um, but unfortunately we have such a small team that, you know, we end up crossing channels or, you know, crossing uh, departments to, to work on those. But we, we do keep them um, somewhat separate from, you know, our, our advertising accounts. Um, that way we can better manage the campaigns. So why was it important for you to, to work at Backtrack? Yeah, I, I wish I could say from the beginning, I, you know, I was a staunch uh, proponent of, of helping people and helping people change their lives. You know, really coming out of business school, I wanted to either start my own company or get in with a very small company where I could have an immediate leadership role and help grow that company as if it was if it were my own. Backtrack was one of my first clients um, in the agency world. Um, and, you know, I had an interest in their product. But mostly, I really got along with the CEO really well. Um, and and our, our thoughts on business and our thoughts on marketing uh, really aligned. It was only really after I joined Backtrack that I kind of realized, hey, it's great. It's a small company. We, you know, we got a lot of good things going. But also, oh, wow, we're, we create products that are saving people's lives. You know, that has really grown in me. Um, it, it, unfortunately, it wasn't that <laughs> at the start. I just loved that I could get in and and you know, be at an essentially a startup, but since being a more uh, important part of the marketing and, and the branding of the company, 
realizing that we are making products that save people lives and, and helping people make better decisions um, has kind of grown into a, a very strong point for me. What types of challenges do you have, uh, you know, marketing breathalyzers? Yeah, there, there are some big challenges. Um, I'd say the main hurdle we see is that most people don't know breathalyzers exist for consumer use. Despite all our best marketing efforts, um, we, we did a, a large survey and found that you know, almost 70% of the country don't know that personal breathalyzers exist, and let alone that, that they're you know, cheap and accurate and small and you know, kind of sleek looking. So that's one of the biggest problems for us is just let, getting people know like, hey, th- these products exist and they're affordable and you can, you can buy them. And then the other big part is just the stigma that goes along with a breathalyzer. Um, historically, a breathalyzer was something that indicated a problem, whether you were an alcoholic, whether you were driving and you had DUI, you know, it was, it was a tool that the police used as a form of punishment. When I tell people I work for a breathalyzer company, people's reaction is, you know, why are you trying to, you know, trying to come get us or something? Overcoming that stigma and, and really trying to change people's perception of, of what using a breathalyzer means um, is also part of it. You know, we see a lot of negative comments on our social media and on our, our Facebook ads, people just saying, Hey, just don't drink and drive. You don't need this. It's easy. Um, and so, you know, obviously drunk driving is a huge problem in our country um, and it's not being solved. Um, and so we're trying to say, Hey, you know, you don't need to be an alcoholic to have a breathalyzer. Everyone, when they turn 16 or when they turn 18, should have a breathalyzer. Um, and you start with responsible drinking habits rather than trying to correct them later. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of people uh, out there that are quick to, you know, hit send on a post and not exactly, you know, thinking through what they're saying or understanding anyone's, you know, personal circumstances or, or otherwise. And you kind of can't follow that, you know, follow that herd mentality. It's like, yeah, if you're the person posting, like, probably did a bad job targeting you, uh, because, uh, clearly you're not the right, uh, person for this, yeah. but, um, but I think that, you know, getting, getting those stigmas, uh, away is a, is a pretty difficult marketing challenge. How do you think about that? Yeah, it, it is. The main way that we try and combat that is, is to use our marketing and use our products in situations where, people are drinking and that a breathalyzer might be beneficial to them. It's, we, we really try and stay away from the feature base. Hey, this product has this type of sensor and you know, this type of screen and all of that. It's, it's more, Hey, do you like to tailgate? You know, do you drink at tailgating? You know, Hey, here's a cool tool that will tell you when you're going to be sober. And so we, we've done a lot of video marketing where we go to the, we went to the Super Bowl and we breathalyzed fans of, of both teams and, we really try and identify situations where people are going to be drinking. It's a fun environment and where they would benefit from having a breathalyzer in play. Um, and that rather than telling people, Hey, we think you have a drinking problem. You need a breathalyzer. We're, we're trying to let them make the decision for themselves and realize the value of having a tool rather than feel like it's, it's something that's negative that's being forced upon them. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that there is, um, there is a large kind of movement across lots of different kind of areas of society to like make change in this area. You know, I think this is such a clear, like obvious choice, right? It's like, Hey, the thing that can sit in your car or your purse or whatever, and you will just know 100% of the time where you're at. 
you know, seems pretty obvious. Uh, you know, things like, you know, Lyft and Uber and, and those companies, I think, have done a, a massive amount of, uh, of help in those ways because people can, you know, now not have to think about that at all. But there's so much of America specifically that is, you know, a far car ride away. Right. So, yeah, uh, it's critical. Like, you know, the tailgating is the perfect example. Right. It's like how many stadiums are close, you know, to this, especially right. like, you know, football right. stadium. Right. It's like it's usually somewhere far away or the airport or, you know, places yep. like that. Yeah. And, and even, you know, my wife and I, we live in Los Angeles. You know, if we're going out and we're going to have any alcohol, we, we Uber or Lyft. You know, that's just there's not even a question. But we still take our breathalyzer. And, you know, if, if you're having more than two or three drinks, you know, a lot of times, I think the biggest thing is people really don't know what their BAC is. Um, and so for us, it's it's identifying, you know, all right, do I need another drink? And breathalyzer, oh, I'm, I'm already 0.08. Wow, I, I definitely don't need another drink. You know, the more you use it, the more you kind of understand how alcohol affects you. And, and it's like, yeah, do I want to be hungover tomorrow? Uh, no. <laughs> so I better stop, right? But, you know, or, you know, or like maybe I'm drinking too fast or, you know, so even if you're not driving, there are a ton of applications for, you know, knowing what your alcohol level is and, and knowing how it affects you. So that's what we've also tried to tap into is just kind of the, the connected health space. It's like you're tracking your, your steps, your calories, your sleep, you know, everything about you, you know, why wouldn't you track your alcohol? And, and, you know, the other cool part is that our products tie into uh, Apple health kit. So it's like, you can layer your sleep data with your BAC data, or you can layer in your heart rate data with your BAC data. So we're hoping to just give more data to the people. Yeah, it was going to be my next uh, my next question about this rise of consumer technology around health and fitness and and all those things. I mean, I think we're going to be in a world in the not too distant future where it's like we just know all of that stuff about our bodies, or at least like a lot more than we do. Whereas essentially, you look at it now and you're like pretty much in the dark ages. I mean, even if you're just <laughs> saying like, "Hey, I know my steps," which is a, a hilarious thing that it's like. And I think COVID was a great, great example of this, where people had no idea how active they were on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. just going to work or how much they would walk around or do different things. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, less than a thousand steps a day, you know, sitting at home. But I think it's a, it's a broader trend. I'd be curious how, you know, younger generations are going to grow up with like leveraging technology and data to actually know more things about their you know, their body, their microbiome, their, you know, their movement patterns, all those things versus older generations where it's like, "Eh, I've been doing this for my whole life. Like, I don't really care. Right. Right. Yeah. And I I think, I think you're completely right. Um, And things are only going to get better and smaller and faster and less obtrusive. Um, And so we're, we're currently researching what else can we do with the alcohol data that we, that we get to help people, Um, you know, whether it's, comparing, you know, consumption rates and, and body weight or things like that, you know, looking for connections that may not be obvious, but if you have all this data, why not look at it and see if, if we can find other ways to, uh, to help people as well. Well, I think the other thing too, you know, that is a stigma about this sort of thing with the technology if it, itself, right, is like you always hear all of the, you know, stories of like, oh, this is how you beat the breathalyzer. This is how you beat whatever. This is how you do that stuff. Where are we at on, on the technology's accuracy? Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that is a fair assessment. Um, you know, breathalyzers have been around for probably 40 or 50 years now. Um, and, and for a while they, they weren't great. Um, there are, there are two main types of, of 
sensor technology. Um, one is semiconductor and one is fuel cell. Semiconductor breathalyzers are the ones that are 10 to $30 on Amazon. And those are the ones that historically have been have given breathalyzers a really bad name um, because there are false positives. There are ways to beat that. You know, there are things with that technology that are just, you know, inherently faulty. You know, those have contributed to the mistrust of breathalyzers, um, I think, over time. Um, and then the other piece is even the fuel cell ones, which are incredibly accurate. Uh, you know, you see a lot of the case, the police cases, you know, they're saying, oh, the, the product wasn't accurate or it wasn't uh, calibrated or whatever. And so, you know, there, there are two things to that. One, it probably still was very accurate, um, but it is a technicality that it's supposed to be, you know, calibrated at a certain rate. And a lot of police forces don't actually do that. Um, and so that's why a lot of cases are, are, are uh, people are allowed to get off because of the breathalyzer issue. From a consumer standpoint, um, our products that use the fuel cell sensors, you know, we're, we're finding that they are accurate to the third decimal place and that they re retain accuracy for like over a year, you know, a couple thousand tests. So calibration and accuracy are always going to be a question. Um, it depends on how often you're using it um, and, and what are the ramifications of it, obviously. So a police a person pulling someone over has a lot bigger ramifications than if someone's using it at the bar themselves or whatever. But, you know, we, we've come a long way. Our products have been tested head to head against police breathalyzers against eight. We have an $8,000 intoxilizer product in our, in our office that we test our products against. So I, I think it's pretty incredible that a $70 product can be, you know, 98, 99% as accurate as a $700 product. So um, we're, we're very happy with, with the accuracy of, of our products. When you're talking about, you know, three decimal places too, right? Which is yep. for the vast majority of people, you don't need that level of fidelity. Um, totally. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's if you're, if you're at point one uh, versus not to make it binary, but if you're at point one versus, you know, whatever you already, you already know where you're at. Right. Totally. And, and that's, you know, that's something that we have to keep reiterating. It's like, don't use this tool to say, Oh, on 0.079. Great. I can go drive. You know, the, yep. really the only safe time to drive is when you get zero, you know, because you can still get a DUI anything above zero. If you're driving recklessly, you know, you can still be arrested even if you're below a 0.08. So I think that's the key piece is that make sure your, your BAC is zero before you drive. That's what, you know, what we tell people. Cause yeah, I mean, a, a breathalyzer is a point in time. So you could blow a 0.079, absolutely accurate, but your alcohol could still be going up. And a half hour later, you could be at 0.084, you know? So relying on that point in time test when you're really, really close to the legal limit is, is just a completely Thing to do. We'll get into the digital marketing piece in one second. Last question about the breathalyzer stuff. You know, what you hear people say things like, oh, you know, if you were completely sober and then you just did a shot and then you use a like something like a backtrack versus, you know, doing it an hour later that there, you're going to see this huge difference. Like what, what is the body chemistry there? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that's actually another, I'd say, you know, going back to the challenges of our marketing is really people not understanding how alcohol works. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's a great question. Um, and that is something that I've learned a lot about after working with breathalyzers for almost seven years now. And, it, uh, and you know, I hate to be very vague, but it really depends. Um, it depends on the person. It depends on how much food they've eaten, how quickly they're drinking, you know, all of these things really affect how quickly alcohol gets into your body. 
it can be as quickly as 15 minutes. It can take up to 45 minutes. And so it really just depends on every person. And to be honest, it, it can change per person on a daily basis, depending on what's going on in your life. So, um, you know, how much water did you drink? Did you have a meal? So that's why, you know, a breathalyzer is actually testing the alcohol in your blood. So it doesn't matter all those other things. Whereas if you're using a drink chart to try and calculate what you think it is, you know, that's based on averages, not on your actual body. So yeah, if you, if you take a shot and you wait 15 minutes, you could blow zero. Um, it's entirely possible. You could take a shot, wait 15 minutes, and you could blow 0.02. Just kind of depends on, on your, your body chemistry. So yeah, misunderstanding of, of how alcohol works in your body is a big challenge for us as well. Yeah, thanks. That's super helpful because I think it, it colors the type of marketing that you're doing and why this is an important product. And it's something that like the data dispels the myths, right? It's like, you could be like, well, I'm a lightweight or I'm this or I'm that, uh, or no, I it's, I'm totally good. I, I had, you know, two burritos for lunch or whatever it is, yeah. or like, I've been drinking slow all day or whatever, whatever the kind of the lies we tell ourselves or the, uh, or they could be truths. So I don't know. Yeah. At the end of the day, like you're just saying like, yeah, you should just check though. That's what you should do. Yeah. I mean, right? we tell people, Hey, breathalyzer every half hour are you drinking. You know, that way, you know, you know, if your, your BAC is going up and then, you know, once you reach your peak, you know, it's going down. Um, so we, we tell people, you know, every half hour, 45 minutes, you should just be breathalyzing so that you, you have an idea of where you are. So the other side of this is, is kind of the, the detractor who's just like, like, yeah, 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 I get it. But like, I'm not doing that. Right. They're like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to breathalyze every, you know, 30, 45 minutes. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Is that like, is that like a different like segment of, of persona for you all? Like, how do you think it, because that person still would potentially be very interested in buying it. They're just not gonna, uh, you know, be the letter of the law in terms of, you know, doing it every certain amount of, uh, of time that they should. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question. It's, it's interesting what sober people say, and it's interesting what people who have one or two drinks say. You know, when people are sober and I tell them I work for a breathalyzer company, oh, that's really cool. You know, I know a couple of friends who need that fast forward a half hour or two hours and they've had a couple of drinks. Hey, do you have that breathalyzer? Can I try it? You know, so like immediately the, the, the buzzed self is way more interested in our products than the sober self. Great point. Um, and so we always joke that we're, our marketing is, is going towards the, the buzzed people. You're trying to find those people <laughs> uh, to, you know, to appeal to that because a lot of people kind of what you said, you know, will tell themselves something different than how they actually feel. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say we have different personas for those people, but we do try and go in different, you know, different scenarios hitting, you know, everyone drinks differently. Everyone drinks in different scenarios. Everyone drinks different amounts. Um, so we really try and find all these different ways that someone could actually use our product and, and put those ads in front of people. I love the tailgater example as like such a crystal clear use case because it's so popular and so uh, so social, right? So it's like, yep. not only it's like uh, if, you know, whatever, Cindy has one in her car at the tailgate, you kind of might get some of that word of mouth of like, yeah, because, you know, I want to make sure that I'm safe, um, that you kind of might might have that. What are the types of, of digital campaigns that you're creating? What are some of the channels that, that you're seeing engagement from? Yeah. So right now, um, Facebook and Instagram are our two biggest social channels. Um, we do a lot of video advertising. 
that has been the biggest uh, success for us on this video. And then obviously remarketing, but we, we do a ton, a ton, a ton of video um, and then let people watch, watch the videos. Um, some are quick product focused, you know, they're, they're just a minute, they're a backyard barbecue showing the product. Um, and then we have some other ones um, where we've, we've really identified the, the, ter- the question, how many drinks to 0.08? We get almost 100,000 visitors to our website on this one blog article on that question. Every month, 100,000 people click or search how many drinks does it take to reach 0.08. Wow. Um, and so for us, that was a really, really eye-opening moment. Like, yes, we have this blog article. It's, it's informative. It's helping people. But we should capitalize this in our marketing. Um, so we started making how many drinks to 0.08 videos. We, we had a, a woman who's a YouTuber um, who weighs 105 pounds. And we had her go drink for drink with a 300-pound NFL lineman. And you know, that, that is a great, it's a three minute video, but people watch. And then we hit them with remarketing videos afterwards, the product that was used. We do, we did uh, two males around the same size. One's drinking IPAs, one's drinking Coors Light. You know, what's, what's their BAC? How many drinks does it take each of them to get point away? Another one, we had two women, same, same body size. One ate three pieces of pizza before they started drinking. The other one didn't eat at all. And, you know, how quickly does one get to point away and how quickly does the other one? So we've done a lot of those and that's just kind of like our high level awareness campaigns. Um, besides us flashing the Backtrack logo at the end of the video, you wouldn't really know that it's a Backtrack marketing. Um, it's more just, hey, here's an interesting situation, kind of a science experiment type thing. And then we follow them up with uh, Instagram ads and Facebook ads with our products and that is really cool. I just so I just searched, um, and you're two of the top three results. That's pretty incredible. I want to see some of these videos. I'm gonna have to watch these afterwards. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to know. I want to know. Uh, I want to know the answers. That's great stuff. Yeah, and you know the the cool thing is that it, it's different for every person. It's different every time. So we we're trying to like put as many different types of people and body types as we can to show that like, hey, yeah, it's different. Each time depends on a lot of different things. So let's look at some really interesting contrasting scenarios, like a 105-pound woman and a 300-pound man of alignment. We have a long list of, uh, of videos that we want to make, but um, it's, it's tough to make videos in, in quarantine. But, you know, we, we wanted to look at twins. We wanted to look at tall and short. And, you know, so all these different things that, that you can test um, are made for really interesting content. Well, you can feel free to steal my two burritos uh, test. Because <laughs> I don't know why I said two burritos, but I guess they could be small I, I, burritos. Um, <laughs> if you're out here eating two burritos, yeah, I don't know. The, having an IPA might not be your concern for the next couple hours. Um, yeah. As you're creating those, you mentioned you have a small team. You know, are you just kind of doing those leveraging, you know, internal resources? Like, are you personally writing those? How does that, how does that look? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I generally am in charge of the strategy. Um, I will write kind of an outline for the, you know, the event videos. We just go with the camera crew and a, and a microphone um, and we just interview and breathalyze people. Um, and then we, we cut them up into, into videos. So that's really just ad libbing. Um, I was actually lucky enough to, to do a couple myself, um, got to go and had, had a couple shots beforehand to get my, uh, you know, get my <laughs> spirits up and my nerves down. And then for our other videos and stuff, you know, we, we do a rough outline, you know, we say, Hey, you know, here are the talking points that we want to get. Here's what we expect to happen. Let's see if it does. Um, but a lot of it is just, you know, the, the people that we have on camera, um, 
it's personality driven um, and just let them have, have some drinks and, and go from there. So you mentioned having this massive piece of anchor content. You know, I'd, I'd imagine that it's, uh, it's a two-edged street there because like obviously it's great to have that. How many of those people are necessarily, like it seems like it's the most high intent thing ever, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. You're like, of course this person, like if they're, if they're searching this, at this exact moment, there's no reason why they would not need our product. But I'm curious, like how how maniacal are you about trying to figure out ways to convert that and and leverage that to to get people to buy? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's it's a, you would think it's this, the most focused question you could ask, but you know, it goes back to not many people are aware these exist. Not many people, you know, their initial thing is I don't need this. You know, our products are are. 50 to 150 dollars um and so they are kind of a lower end luxury type you know price point um so there you know there is some initial pushback from that but for for a long time we just saw that we had that and but we saw that it, you know that page drove about one cent per visitor or something like that you know it was very very low revenue um, and then we're like you know we gotta start converting these people or at least getting them into our funnels so one really successful thing that we did there we created a, a product tester program and so we put an exit pop-up on that page um, because a lot of people would come, they'd read, and then they would leave. So we put an exit intent or exit uh, pop-up and said, hey, you know, do you want to join our product testing program? Said, so, you know, each month we're going to give away a couple products. You have to, you know, go through survey and whatever. Give us your email and we'll let you know. And so we started getting 100 to 200 emails a week just from this, you know, free. It's all free traffic, all organic traffic of people joining our product tester program. You know, we, we give away one or two products um, and we get valuable feedback as well. But now we've, you know, we're growing our organic uh, email list. So that was one way that we found we've been able to monetize um, all that traffic that doesn't necessarily convert on the first time. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. That's a great idea. I'd, I'd imagine another one would be like, you know, breathalyzer comparisons or best cheap breathalyzer, things like that are probably... Um... Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are, there's a lot of content potential out there. I would say that's one thing that, you know, one area that we are challenging is, is organic content. Maybe it's me coming from a paid search background that I'm more inclined to like pay for the traffic. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, they, I'd say we, we've identified a lot of areas where we want to have these, you know, skyscraper type content pieces that we can bring people in. You know, can you trick a breathalyzer or that sort of thing? And then, Breathalyzer reviews and breathalyzer comparison, like you mentioned, are areas that uh, definitely mid-funnel that we can try and convert people. Well, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because like, you know, all the search terms that, you know, how long after three beers can I pass a breathalyzer? How do you beat a breathalyzer at home? What's, you know, how do I lower my BAC? Like all those things, it's kind of like we talked about, you know, it's, it all sounds great, but it's like, if you're paying for those, I mean, you can go, you can go broke pretty quick trying to pay for all of those things when it's not really the most high intent traffic, even though it seemingly is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and I think, you know, the, the key thing is they don't see a breathalyzer as the solution to their problem. And so that's where we're trying to present the breathalyzer, you know, in front of them as the solution to their problem. Um, and it just may take three or four times seeing the product in action before they begin to recognize that it, it is a solution to their problem. Yeah, that's a great point too. Do you look at things like, uh, you know, you're in LA, you're near uh, a lot of celebrities, you know, do you look at things like influencers uh, and uh, and stuff like that? 
You know, we have. We, we've done some things in the past. Um, we when the Super Bowl was in San Francisco, you know, our company's based in San Francisco. So we really tried to like lean into that. That was the first time where we did some, some larger campaigns, partnerships. We, uh, the NFL um, has been a partnership for us for a little while. Our goal is to say, hey, we're working with the NFL and get our name out there. The NFL's goal is to, to reduce drunk driving among their players. And so <laughs> we try and kind of, you know, mutually benefit. Um, so we've, we've done some partnerships there. The influencer marketing space is very, very interesting. Um, it's something that we're just kind of starting to to get into. But you know, even TikTok, you know, is another area where you watch these videos, and it's I can see that it's probably a marketing video, but you know, most people have no idea that it is. You know, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go buy that on Amazon, or I'm going to go do this. So um, I think that's one of the areas where we want to lean into is, is TikTok and some of these other influencer marketing arenas where. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's a commercial as, as much of it's uh, hey, here's this cool product and here's what it does and you know here's where you can get it sort of thing. Um, it doesn't feel like you're being directly sold to. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of that show Hot Ones. They, you know, celebrities trying all the different hot sauces, right? It's like yep. you could just, the, the script writes itself of, of uh, or, or like, you know, bringing back drunk, drunk history just got, uh, just got canceled, bringing back drunk history yep. and then having people use, there's so many like organic integrations that it feels like, you know, I'm sure your, your mind goes crazy with all of the opportunity out there, but you have to yeah. choose the ones that uh, are not going to, are not going to break the bank. Right. And that, I think that's the biggest, you know, struggle for us is we're, we're very ROAS focused. Um, you know, we, we want to make a certain amount of dollars back on every dollar we spend. Um, and so those kind of influencer partnerships are a little harder to, to, uh, quantify. Um, and so we've been dipping our toes in them, you know, on, on small levels, but you know, at some point we're just gonna have to take, take the plunge and, and I think really try. And, you know, we've, it's interesting. We've, We've had a couple larger influencers use our products in their videos without us asking. Um, and you know, there's a, a guy in Mexico who's like the, the fifth or sixth largest YouTuber on the planet. Compare, you know, did a video with our product, and we had no idea. Um, and all of a sudden, we're getting all this traffic from this one YouTube link, and it was all in Spanish. And it was great. Um, but yeah, so it was like, oh, we didn't even ask this guy to do this. He featured our product, and we got all this traffic. So it's like, obviously, there's something there. It's just a matter of okay, if we're willing to pay for it, how much we're willing to pay. Um, and are we willing to risk that it doesn't do anything, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's like one of the, I mean, that's like kind of the Tim, Tim Ferriss effect, right? The similar sort of thing where it's like, you know, you, Tim talks about something on a podcast or, or Rogan, even a better example. Yep. And it's like all of a sudden that thing, you know, or the shark tank effect, same sort of idea yep. that you get this like wave of people that are very early adopters that are, that want to mess with their bodies, that want to try to figure things out. And so, you know, if you, if you get that, uh, you can get into that group and, uh, and maximize it, then it, you know, it, it could be a great investment, but you could also go on and, it, and, you know, you don't, you don't get anything other than impressions. Yep. <laughs> we, um, you know, email marketing is, we have our own list, but we, at, at one time we were dabbling with doing some of these daily newsletters. Um, and so we did a, a test email with, with a large, a large-ish email list and had great, great return from it. We're like, okay, great. Let's do it. You know, let's double our budget. We're all in. And then it was one-tenth of what we did on the first email push. And it was obvious that they had sent our product to like their most likely people to convert. And then as soon as you send it to the whole list, nothing happens. 
Um, and so it's like you get burns on those sort of things and then you, you become gun shy again to, to branch out and spend more money again. So it's always trying to balance those feelings. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd be curious too with something like that, because I think a lot of times, you know, as someone who's been on the other, other end of that table, I think a lot of times like, you know, you always hear 13 impressions equal a sale. Right. And I think a lot of times if someone like on a podcast or in a newsletter or, you know, a YouTube video, it's like, if they mention something once, it's kind of one year in one year out the other, but it's like, as soon as you've listened to like 20 episodes in a row and they're always promoting, yep. it's like, all right, I'm going to go check this out. Like if this is not yep. something that, you know, someone just shoved in their face and said, said use, like, I think there is some, like, if you have the right persona to like stick with that persona for an extended period of time. And, you know, we've, we've seen that stuff in some of the campaigns that we've run in the past as well. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, just from personal experience, I, I was listening to you know a few years ago the Serial podcast, and Simplisafe was on yep. every episode, every ten minutes. You're here, Simplisafe, and you know eventually I was like, oh, do I do I need a, a home security system? <laughs> you know, I mean, unfortunately, I didn't actually go with Simplisafe, but I did end up getting a home security system, and it was mostly because I heard Simplisafe and home security a hundred times in, in a week. So I completely agree. Yeah, we uh, so many, uh, many, many, many episodes ago. Gosh, like two hundred episodes ago, we we had a really sharp CMO on and talking about that that exact sort of thing. The the home security products they used a ton of of podcasts and newsletters and things like that because it was still kind of a new thing. And you know, there's it was still kind of in that kind of phase. I mean, I think Ring has done that really well too. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of folks who have kind of, you know, you get into a, get into a, a market repeatedly with that sort of product and you can really make a huge, a huge jump. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's a weird kind of comparison to make, but I, I actually look at a lot of those companies, the, the wise uh, cameras, Ufi, Simplisafe, a lot of these, you know, new kind of connected devices, even though they're not in the same exact area as us. Um, I think those companies have done a, a great job in, in getting their, their products and, you know, newer products that people aren't necessarily familiar with um, in front of them and making them user-friendly. I think that whole side has really taken off. Yeah, that was, I, gosh, I don't know what episode that was, but it was with Ty Shea, the uh, CMO of LifeLock, but he was telling okay. us a bunch of, bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it, no, it is really interesting. I mean, I think that you have, and you, you all have a super slick website, you know, it's easy to buy. It's easy to, to check out, you know, I, I'm curious, like in managing like whole funnel, I, that's gotta be a huge advantage for, for you all. Yeah. I mean that, you know, because we, you know, we do so much business online, um, you know, it is way easier to track. Um, and that, I guess maybe that's why I'm also, I, I tend to lean towards things I can track. Um, and it's harder to track some of these, these other areas. But yeah, you know, we use Clavio as our email marketing uh, tool, and it's it's incredible the information we get from them. We've put their SDK in our apps, so we can see you know people what they're doing in the app. We can see what pages are looking on the website, um, and so really just trying to have a unified view of where people are coming from, the pages are looking at, uh, what content they're looking at now, what email do we send them, what actions they've taken, you know, what does that determine? So yeah, being in e-commerce, it's, it's amazing uh, tools available to. Uh, to really tailor your marketing toward your specific customer. Anything pandemic related that you all have seen as, as shifting trends? You know, as, as you mentioned, um, early in, in quarantine, we, you know, it just felt like everyone we were talking about saying, Oh, I, I'm drinking way more than normal. 
and you know, myself, it's like, yeah, it's Wednesday, but I'm going to have a drink after work, you know, whatever. Um, and so we are, we have a smartphone connected product and we analyze or we collect the BAC data anonymously. Um, and so every quarter we do kind of a, we call it a consumption report and we look at alcohol consumption around the country and we try and layer on, you know, social data or whatever. We have a brilliant data scientist on our team, give her any data set and she's going to tell you what the trends are and how they relate and everything. And so we looked at the average BAC by day for the previous six weeks prior to states going on lockdown. Um, and we did it state by state. And so we looked at, okay, if they went on lockdown on March 21st, let's look at the previous six weeks from there and then compare by day after. And so we found a lot of really, really interesting data um, that people indeed were drinking way more. Um, and it was more during the week and less on weekends. Uh, so we found a bunch of really cool, interesting things. But because of that, we also identified that, hey, people are home and they're drinking more. This might actually be a great opportunity for us to kind of capitalize on, on this new kind of, you know, drinking experience. Um, and so we upped our, our social media video presence um, and we were testing a bunch of different kind of marketing language around, you know, just because it's Tuesday doesn't mean you won't be hungover tomorrow or, or something like that. Or, you know, just because you're not going to work doesn't mean you, have, you can sleep in or, you know, all these kind of like negative things that might happen from drinking too much. But the one message that really won out every time was be the hero of your next Zoom happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> and so that like we did a ton of testing and that one won like crazy. And I know Zoom happy hours probably have like slowed down a little bit. This was, you know, back in March and April. But yeah, just trying to recognize and, and that people's behavior has changed um, and point it out and say, you know, like, hey, we're, we're kind of in this with you. Here, here's a fun, interesting tool that you can use. We, you know, we know everyone's drinking more at home. Here's a, here's a tool to help. I love that. That's great research. So how do you partner? Obviously, data being, you know, extremely critical to every marketer now. How, how it seems like you have a pretty tight relationship with your data team. How are you, how are you kind of leveraging those insights and getting it into your marketing as fast as possible? Yeah, um, I, I think that's something that we're, we're just kind of starting to do more of. The consumption reports that we were doing previously, um, we worked with an outside data analyst and, you know, we would come and say, hey, you know, here's the questions we have. Can you answer them? You know, we kind of come up with something. Um, but now we're, we're really trying to narrow it down more and, and find trends that we can capitalize on with our marketing. One of the things I mentioned was, you know, how people are using our apps or, or, or more importantly, what they're not doing. So for our sobriety tool, you know, it's, it's a monthly subscription. Um, and we're trying to identify what, what actions or inactions are going to indicate that someone's going to cancel. If we can identify what they're doing or not doing, we can send them an email or we can send them a push notification or we can call them and be like, hey, we noticed you haven't used the app in a while. What's going on? You know, so I think really trying to understand the user behavior and then you know, what is our preferred outcome um, and what can we do to uh, help someone achieve that outcome. Any other uh, marketing trends that you're excited about going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, the TikToks of the world, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, I'm not on TikTok a ton myself, but the, what I have seen, just this 10 to 15 second, you know, user-generated content, the capabilities of the traffic it can drive is, is like crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just interested to see how that goes um, and interested in exploring just getting our products in, in the hands of young people and making our products more normalized. 
trying to think of anything else that, yeah, I, I think just the, the video side is, is interesting. And then the, the 3D tour, or not tours, but 3D modeling of products, the virtual reality of products, um, where Shopify just uh, enabled a new thing like that, where you can put, uh, insert a module that you can see the product in your hand on your phone and things like that. So kind of the interactive shopping experience is, is really interesting to me. And then, yeah, just for us on the data side, um, what can we do with all this data that we're collecting and, and help people um, rather than just, hey, here's your BAC, but how can we really help people in addition to, to BAC? And so what does the future of, of health look like? I know you're developing some new things. You obviously, you know, things that connect to your phone is really interesting. Um, what else is, is on the horizon? Yeah, so one, one product that we're really, really excited about um, is called Backtrack Skin. And it is a wearable alcohol tester. Um, I say wearable breathalyzer because it doesn't actually, it's not your breath. Um, but I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you walk into a room of someone who is drinking the next morning and the room just smells like alcohol. That's because 5% of the alcohol that you consume actually does come out through your skin pores. And so we have developed a product that is passive. And so it's testing the, or it's measuring the alcohol coming out of your skin in real time. Our goal is to, you know, the sensor right now is just about, just about the size of a quarter and it's worn on a wristband, but it can also attach to your Apple watch band. Um, and our goal is to have it to be able to attach of any thing that you're wearing on your wrist. And so it's going to be able to track your alcohol level in real time. Um, so that's something that we're really, really excited about, not only in the alcohol treatment space, but in the consumer space as well. Just being able to, you know, on your phone say, Hey, tell me when I hit 0.08. You know, and you just have this sensor on your wrist so that you don't actually have to pull out a breathalyzer, you don't have to do anything. Your Apple Watch buzzes or, you know, you get a text message that says, hey, you just hit 0.08, go get some water or, you know, you want to cool down or something like that. Or, you know, we're also looking at rate of consumption. So it's, good. it's testing your alcohol level and it's saying, okay, hey, you're, you're drinking really fast. You might want to slow down. Um, or, so there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity for this um, and it's small and it's on your wrist. Um, so that's something that we're really, really excited about. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. Thanks to our amazing friends at Salesforce. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. They're the best. They've been with us since the beginning of this show. Check them out, salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. Sean, are you ready? I am ready. What app on your phone is the most fun? I'll say Instagram. Favorite book or podcast? I am reading the, the Bogglehead Three Fun Portfolio. <laughs> I don't know if that's my favorite. Uh, that's the book I'm reading right now. Um, I would say my favorite book is Shogun. How many times do people say Casey at the Bat references to you? Not that often. All right. Do you have a hidden talent or passion? I love building computers. If you weren't a marketer, what, what would you be doing? Real estate. What's your best advice for a first-time head of marketing? Know where your customers are, know where they're coming from, and know what they're doing on your site or in your app, and then take action based on them. Sean, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks so much for joining. This has been uh, an awesome, awesome conversation. And uh, thanks for, for sharing anything uh, related to, uh, to breathalyzers. That was fun. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Uh, no, this has been great. I, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. And if, if the listeners out there are, are interested, um, head to backtrack.com um, or find our products on Amazon. And maybe we can get a special coupon code for uh, for the team here. Uh, yeah, there we go. 
That's uh, yeah. I'll do I'll do a video for you. That's bactrack.com for those of our listeners. Check it out. Awesome. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.